Our Bible reading this morning is done from Psalm 4. So if you have a Bible, Psalm 4, and Paul, Paul will read it for us. Paul is behind me. Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. But you have put more joy in my heart than they have when they grain and wind abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of the Lord. Let's uh, start by praying together. I'm going to pray for us. Um, So let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for this morning where we can um, open your word again. Uh, My prayer this morning, Lord, is that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you will help us see your great love for us and help us find our peace in you and in you alone. Amen. My uh, darling wife will tell you that I'm a reasonably good sleeper, even though the last week I didn't sleep well. I don't know why that happens, but... um, when uh, you don't sleep well, you have those sleepless nights. The psalm talks about, you know, David having sleepless nights. It's probably and mostly because there's some important things in your mind, something um, bothering you. It could be circumstances that you yourself have created, or it could be circumstances outside of your control. But somewhere in your mind, there's something bothering you, and it's keeping you up at night. I found when that happens to me, uh, a good remedy for that would be to speak to someone that knows what he's talking about, about whatever the thing is that's bothering you. And the point being, when you speak to someone, he helps you or she helps you and gives you a little bit of perspective and uh, puts things in their place um, so that you can kind of find rest again. Now, Psalm 4 is that kind of psalm. It's a perspective psalm. It's a psalm that puts things in its place so that we can find rest. Now, David's the author of the psalm. Uh, He's in considerable distress. Uh, Psalm 3 tells us the reason he's in distress is his son, Absalom. Wonderful fellow, Absalom. He wants to take his father's throne, and he's busy taking it by force. And um, we'll see that in in, in 2 Samuel. But... For David, it is very personal. It's a, it's a very personal pain that's keeping him up at night. And you can just imagine David sitting there. He's not sitting in his bed, by the way. His son has chased him out. His son is probably sleeping in his bed at this stage. But he's sitting there, his hands in his head, and he is contemplating, and he's deeply worried about his son and the man who's following him. And he composes Psalm 4. Uh, and when he does Psalm 4, he does two very important things. He, he speaks to his own heart, uh, and he's desperate to speak to his son's heart. Those are the two things that we find there in Psalm 4. 
in this way, he gives perspective. He gets perspective and he, and he wants to give perspective. Um, so he speaks to his own heart and he speaks to his son's heart. Now, David is a wise man and he knows that this problem is not isolated to his family. So what does he do? He takes Psalm 4, he gives it to the choir master. The choir master puts it to music uh, so that the whole community of God uh, could read that psalm uh, and find perspective. It's in the Bible. Psalm 4 is in the Bible for us so that we can read it and that we can find perspective, especially when there's time of distress. And so my prayer for us this morning is, is when we read Psalm 4 that the Lord would speak to us through his Holy Spirit, as we open his word, that he would speak to our hearts, uh, wherever you find yourself, whatever distress you might find yourself, that the Lord will give us perspective this morning um, and find our rest and our, our, our safety in him. So, Psalm 4. Let's have a look. If you have your Bibles open, maybe open a day to Psalm 4, keep it open. We're going to do lots of reading there. Um, but Psalm 4 is two kind of main things happening in Psalm 4. David's speaking to the Lord or to himself, to the Lord, and then he speaks in the hearing of the people. If you look there, um, verse 1 and verse 6 to 8, the end bits, brackets the psalm, that's where David speaks to the Lord. And he starts and he ends with the Lord because the Lord is the hero of his story, of his own story, of Israel's story, hopefully of our story, and we see his deep trust in the Lord. Let me just read verse 1 and verse 8 for us. Verse 1 says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. And then verse 8, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So he reflects back on his life and he sees how the Lord has worked and given him peace in time of distress. He looks at his problem now and he looks forward and he says, the Lord alone will give me relief. He alone will make me dwell in safety. And so you can see this deep trust that David has in the Lord. He's the hero of the story, of his story. Uh, A very important question for us to ask is, who is this Lord that he's talking about? Well, David tells us in verse 1, he calls him, O God of my righteousness. And then throughout the whole psalm, Lord is in capital letters, L-O-R-D, capital letters. Now, we'll look at those two things. Let's look at the first one, Lord of my righteousness. Now, David knows he's not perfect. He's lived a long life. Psalm 4 comes after a period of time in his life. Most probably after his time with Bathsheba, where he sinned against the Lord, lust, adultery, murder, he committed almost all the sins. Yet, the Lord has made him whole. The Lord has made him righteous, dealing with his sin and bringing him back to himself again. So David knows that his righteousness is not his own. His righteousness is from the Lord. The Lord who does what is right, the just God, The Lord who sets all things right and brings him back to himself, the God who justifies us. David calls him the Lord of my righteousness. Now, in the New Testament, we have the same idea in Romans chapter 3, where it talks about us as Christians. If you are a Christian here today, the righteousness that you have is a righteousness that comes from the Lord, from God. 
In Jesus, he deals with our sins. And in Jesus, he calls us back. He makes us just again. The righteousness is all from the Lord. David knows that. Even Look, look even at the end of his prayer uh, in verse 1, how he doesn't presume on the Lord's help. He says, Lord, be gracious to me when, and hear my prayer. Grace is God's unmerited favor. David knows he can't presume on God's grace. And so what does he do? He asks God to be gracious to him because that is who he is. He is the God of all righteousness. And so all he can do is, Lord, be merciful to me. Help me in this time of trouble. So for David, it is clear as day that the Lord is the hero of his story, his whole life story. And he knows that the Lord won't change. Uh, because, yeah, he knows the Lord won't change. Hence, the way it ends, the psalm is saying, Lord, you alone are going to make me dwell in safety. Yes, I'm in trouble now. I'm not sleeping in my own bed. My son is probably sleeping in my bed. But in peace, I will both lie down and sleep, for the Lord alone is the one who makes me dwell in safety. Now, think about David saying that. Think about who he is. He's a mighty warrior. Think about all the battles he's won. Think about the things he can maybe turn to to help him in this time of struggle. His army, his own fighting ability, his own, you know, fierce warrior. But he doesn't. Where does he turn? He turns to the Lord, the one alone who can give him peace. And so we can see how David, in his time of distress, speaks to his own heart. And he says to himself, the God of my righteousness is my hero. But he also called him Lord, L-O-R-D, all capital letters. Now that is Yahweh. That's the name for Yahweh in the Bible in the Old Testament is all capital letters. Yahweh, David knows, the history, Israel's history has told them that he's been the one working in Israel's life before David was even born. He's the one who gave, uh, who created them as a nation. He brought them to himself. He gave them the king. He gave them himself, David. David is the one who can pray to the Lord. The Lord hears his prayers there in verse 3. The Lord blesses Israel. Israel is the superpower of the day in that time in their history. Why? Well, the Lord made them the superpower. All roads don't lead to Rome at that stage. All roads lead to Jerusalem because they are the superpower and that's all the working of Yahweh. So the hero of Psalm 4, the one that David turns to, is the Lord alone. He's the one who will give David peace. And he's the one that David is desperately wanting his son to turn to and the men of Israel to turn to as well. And that's the middle bit of that psalm that we're going to look at right now. The middle bit of the psalm is desperately, ah, it's desperately. It's David desperately wanting to talk to his son and to the men. So the situation is real with his son. Remember, uh, he's deep. David loves him. Yet Absalom is revolting against him. Absalom has taken his father's throne, uh, and, and David is speaking to him there in the middle bit of Psalm 4, and he's telling his son basically two things. Verse 2 to 3, he's saying to him, my son, how long will you continue to do this? There's a great warning there in, in verse 2 and 3. 
And then verse 4 and 5, he says to his son, you must, the right response is to, to turn and to repent. So those are the two things David wants to tell his son. How long? How long? Have a look there. Let me read for us verse 2 and verse 3. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will, lo- will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. At the heart of Absalom's rise to power was lies and vain words. How long, Absalom, will you run after these vain words and these lies? Because what happens when you do this, you're actually robbing the Lord of his honor. This honor has come to the king, David. He's no longer on his throne. He's running around being chased. This honor comes to him. But David is God's appointed king. So when this honor comes to God's appointed king, this honor comes to the Lord himself. We see that so wonderfully illustrated in the narrative in 2 Samuel. What happened, the way Absalom went about his business, is he would sit at the, the gates of Jerusalem, one gate, and the people would come to Jerusalem to seek the king's advice. Absalom would catch them and say to them, what's your problem? Maybe I can help you. The people would share their problems with Absalom, and Absalom would find help for them. He will tell them his solution. But then he would say, oh, if only the king cared for you like I did. David is God's king. When he says that, if only the king cares for you like I do, what is he saying? Is only the one who puts him there cares for you like I do. Can you see how Absalom twists and brings this honor to the Lord's name? 2 Samuel 15 tells us when Samuel did this, he stole the hearts of the Israelites. Hearts that belong to the Lord. He stole them. Then he orchestrated his coming out party, which is a very interesting thing. (laughs) He, He lies to the king, says to the king, I want to go to Hebron. Hebron was the place where David used to rule before he came to Jerusalem. The king even sends 200 people with him. Delegates, so it's a king-appointed party. And he tells the people in Hebron, when you guys hear me coming and I play the trumpet, shout, here comes the king. And so they did it. The trumpets blew, the people shouted, here comes the king. And the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel, after he did this, the hearts of the people started following him. Hearts that belonged to the Lord, he stole their hearts. Hearts that belonged to the Lord, to follow the Lord, started following Absalom. As a result, here we have David the king fleeing, barefoot, head covered up the Mount of Olives, the Bible tells us. Dreadful, shameful, rejected king of Israel. Tail between his legs. Psalm 4 verse 2 says, my honor was turned into shame. The Lord's honor is being turned into shame. Interesting, though, 1,500 years later, up the same mountain, another person walked the walk of shame, and he ended up naked on a cross, all because of lies, our Lord Jesus. So David says, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love these vain words and these lies? Then verse 3, the great warning 
But know this, O men, that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. My son Absalom, O men of Israel, know, hear this warning. You guys are playing with fire. The Lord is the one who appoints the king. He sets the godly apart for his business, not you and your scheming. Remember how David was appointed? Remember the story? He was the youngest of a whole clan of children. They went through all of them, and the Lord said, no, not this one, not this one, not this one. And then he asked, is there anyone else? And he says, yeah, I've got a little younger son, remember? And he was in the field there, and they had to call him. And when he came in, the Lord said, that's the one. I want to anoint this king. And so David says to his son, the Lord did that. Now you want to take this throne for yourself. It is not for you to take, O men of Israel. You are standing against the Lord. Be warned, the Lord will hear my call. Now that hearing doesn't imply just hearing, it implies action. The Lord hearing David's cry for help, we know where Absalom ended. He ended up hanging in a thorn tree dead. So be warned. David is desperately talking to his son. He says he's pleading with him. He says, the Lord will rescue me. The Lord will restore his honor. My son, please turn away from the love of these lies and the power that it gives you. There's one more powerful than you, and you are messing with him. And then finally, David says, the right response to this warning, Absalom, is verse 4 and 5. It is to turn back. It's to repent and believe. Have a a look there at verse 4 and 5. Be angry, David says, but do not sin. Ponder in your hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. If only Absalom would heed his father's advice and stop for a moment on his bed when there's no noise and there's silence and he can actually hear himself think, you know, we as human beings talk ourselves into things, you know, then you gather a few people around you and you kind of continue talking and then off you guys go. I remember my um, high school, no, my primary school rugby coach got us in a, and talked us into a frenzy and then off we went, 12-year-olds playing rugby. But that's what's happening here. Talking yourselves into friends, Absalom and his buddies, all together, you be king. Yes, you can imagine what was going on there. And, and David's warning to him, David's counsel to him is just stop. Stop for a moment and think about what you're doing. The right response is in verse 5, is to offer right sacrifices. What does that right sacrifice look like? It's to put your trust in the Lord. The key word there is trust in the Lord. Why would Absalom give up these love for these lies and the power that has given him? Look. Look what he's gained. Look what this lies has gained him. Look what powers has gained him. He's sitting on the throne. Why would he give that up? David's counsel to him is because you trust or you love something else more. In the Bible, Paul uses the phrase of putting off and putting on. 
He says to us, you can't just put off those love for lies. You have to put something else on in its place. You have to love something else more. David says to his son, you have to love the Lord more than you love the lies and the power that it gives you. There's a, there's a movement of your trust, Absalom, that's due to happen. You trust in yourself and all these power that you've gained for yourselves. Love for sin, lust for all those lies. It's a movement to trust in the righteous God, O God of my righteousness, the God of your righteousness. So David's saying, for a moment, just stop and just think. Just listen to your conscience. The Lord speaks to us through our conscience, through his word. And he says, the Lord has been the one protecting us all our lives. Israel's history is full of the Lord protecting us. He's the one who brought us into this land of flowing, the land flowing with milk and honey. He's the one who fought our enemies. Remember some of the battles where the Israelites didn't even raise a sword and the Lord destroyed their enemies. Israel is where they are. They're the superpower. All roads lead to Jerusalem because the Lord. No, my son, the right sacrifice is to put your trust in him to turn away, to repent from your trust in your own ability, the lies and the power that these lies have given you, to trust in the Lord. That's the right sacrifice. You can imagine David sitting there. He's desperate. He's like a father, desperately wanting to help his son, gently wanting to remind him, asking him, how long will you do this? How long will you run after these lies, the love for this power? It actually gives you false peace. He ends off the psalm by telling his son, let me tell you where true peace is found. That's verse 6 to verse 8. Let me show you where true peace is found. These verses is David speaking back to the Lord again in the hearing of the people. And he's asking a very interesting question there in verse 6. He starts off by asking a very interesting question. He says, there are many who say, who will show us some good? Just think about that question. Think about where Israel is at that stage. They are the superpower of the world. Everybody wants everything to do with them. Everyone wants to come and show them some good. All reads lead to Jerusalem. And David is saying to you, son, where do you think that comes from? All this good. Where do you think that comes from? Answer, my, answer me, my son. Who gave us that good? Well, he answers his son. Then verse 6, the end. He says, he says this, speaking to the Lord. He says, oh Lord, lift up the light of your face upon us. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when they gain their grain and their wine abound. In the hearing of the people, David quotes from their own Bible, from the Old Testament, from Numbers chapter 26. When I read this quote from Numbers 26, you will recognize it as well. This is how it goes. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. 
These are words of the Lord's blessing that Moses and Aaron and the sons of Aaron had to speak to God's people. David quotes them again to remind his son, where on earth do you think this blessing comes from? It's because the Lord's face is shining upon us. He's the one who gives us peace. Look around you. The Lord has blessed us. My son, answer me this question. Who will show us some good? What question is that? Look at all the good that the Lord has shown us. Now you are angry and you are discontent with what good the Lord has given us. You are angry and discontent with the king that he's given us. You're conniving, you're lying to get what belongs not to you. In actual fact, you are robbing the Lord of his honor. How long do you think the Lord will let you do that? And by the way, Absalom, do you think you're the only one who can use lies to get what he wants? The devil, the prince of lies, speaks his native language when he lies, and he's the one saying to you, the Lord doesn't want any good for you. That's the same lie from Genesis chapter 3. When these people come in Psalm 4 and ask this question, who, many who say, who will do us some good, they are speaking the devil's words. That's lies. Look around you. Yes, there's joy in gaining grain and and, and wine in abundance. But let me tell you, from my own experience, I have all of that, Absalom. Those, all of those things, I'm the king. But none of that gives me more joy in my heart than when the Lord's face shines upon me. The Lord's blessing is way bigger, my son, than wine and grain, than material blessing, than things. The devil's lie is that the things will make you happy. It's a lie because there's no peace. You can have all the things of the Lord, but have no peace because the Lord isn't with those things. Material blessing without the one who gives it is no lasting peace at all. That's why he ends in verse 8 and he says, You alone, O Lord, can make me dwell in safety. You alone can make me both lie down and sleep. You can give me peace. True blessing from the Lord is so much bigger than material things, Absalom. Things you can feel, you can taste, you can touch. It's so much bigger. True, lasting blessing is when the Lord's face shines upon you and gives you peace. Not when the Lord's gold glitters in your eyes. That is no peace at all. Jesus came and walked that walk of shame. Jesus came and the Lord turned his face away from Jesus so that he could turn his face towards us and shine on us and bless us. That happened at the cross. True peace both lying down and sleeping, is only when the Lord's face shines upon you. And it only happens in our Lord Jesus Christ, when he deals with our sin and he justifies us again. I think the problem with Psalm 4 is when you read it, we don't necessarily put ourselves in the right place. The right place to put ourselves is in the shoes of Absalom and the men. 
We are more like them. We love our sins. We kind of protect our sins. We cuddle our sins. We love the power that it gives us. We take from the Lord Jesus his honor and his glory and we make ourselves king of our own lives. That's what sin is. Sin is when you make yourself king of your own life. I don't want you, Lord. I don't need you. Stay away. I'm king of my life. That's what we do. Glory and honor that belongs to the true king, King Jesus, we take upon ourselves. We are like Absalom and those men. But Psalm 4 is written to us, pleading with us, calling us back, saying, how long will you go down that road? How long will you seek to find peace in all the wrong places? Which leads to sleepless nights, endless sleepless nights. Jesus said, you might gain the whole world, you might gain all the gold in the world, but you will definitely lose your soul in the process. My face was turned away. The Lord turned his face away from me so that you can have true blessing. If you reject that, there comes a time when I will turn my face away from you. If you keep on running after the love of lies, love for your sin, love for the power that it gives you, there comes a time when the Lord Jesus will turn away from us, his face. Sin is a very interesting way of working. Let me try and illustrate it as I end. Imagine the most beautiful view. I would say something like uh, Victoria Falls or beautiful mountains, whatever. You're there to see the beautiful view, the blessing of the Lord. But your hand is in your way. The hand represents your problem. You know, you can look left, you look right, you can actually not see anything. It represents our sin. It's just in your face the whole time. It doesn't matter where you look, it's just there, it's bothering you. It gives you sleepless nights. That's what sin is like. It's all the time. The Bible talks about us being slaves to our sins. Plus, the devil doesn't want that to go away. So he lies to you. And then what do we do? We believe that lie. We believe this is good for me believe this is good for me. And so we run after those lies. We love the power it gives us. Um, sin keeps us from seeing the beauty of the Lord's blessing. That's what it does. It robs us of joy. So what does the Lord give us? The Lord gives us his word. God's word, read, taught, Read by yourself, by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it do? Psalm 4 does to us, gives us perspective. It says, yes, this is a problem. But let's just put it in its place. Let me show you how the Lord has dealt with it. In its right place. Yes, this thing that keeps you up at night is not trivial. It is important. But let's just put it in its place. Because the Lord alone... Is the one who can make you both lie down and sleep. The Lord alone is the only one who can give you peace. So when we open God's word by the power of his spirit, what does it do? It calls us back to the hero of our story. It calls us back to the Lord. Turn back, repent and believe, offer right sacrifices, trust in the Lord in any and all circumstances. Lay your burdens on him. Jesus says, let the Lord, Jesus, be the hero of your story. Let the Lord 
Be the one who makes you both lie down and sleep. Let the Lord make you safe. That's the call of Psalm 4. That's the call when we read it that I pray the Lord lays on your heart. In sleepless nights when trouble is, you can't see the wood from the trees. Psalm 4 says to us, come back. Come back to the Lord, the hero of your story. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you so much for sending our Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him to rescue us from all the lies and all the sin and how it so easily entangles us. Thank you, Lord, that your face was turned away from our Lord Jesus so that you could shine on us and save us and give us peace. Life is hard, Lord, we know. Life is not easy. Um, Sin has broken it, and the curse is real. We have many problems, and the pull of the world, the flesh, and the devil is really strong on us. But thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to set us free from those distresses. You came to set us free from the lies of the devil and the love we have for our sins. Lord Jesus, you came to make us both lie down and sleep. You came to give us peace. Please will you rescue us and remind us of that again today. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Um, I've got strict uh, instructions to give you homework. Next week, uh, we're starting a new series uh, in the Old Testament from the Minor Prophets, and Royden is preaching from Hosea. So please, homework, Hosea.